very important question. Oh, God. I have a very important answer. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. So, if you had to choose, oh God. which I'm sure you did when you were younger, mm. is it Backstreet Boys or is it In Sync? So, here's my thing. I never really chose because I never really liked either of them. Oh. Well, aren't you just so great? <laughs> I'm very great. I was too busy like, mm, corn. But. Hey, I was really, mm, corn too. But also I was like, mm, but I also like NSYNC. I will say I did prefer, like if, if I had to, I would say I preferred NSYNC to Backstreet Boys. NSYNC. NSYNC. <laughs> And sink. <laughs> Enrique Iglesias sink. Because I really liked the video for I Drive Myself Crazy where they're all in the mental ward. Oh, yeah. I also liked that Man. Joey Fat One had pink hair. And I did think Lance Bass was cute, which checks because I apparently tend to like gay yeah. men. Yeah, you like the gay ones. I'm like, ooh, are you unattainable yeah. because you don't like vaginas? Great. I'm going to have a crush <laughs> on you. But also... um. Justin Timberlake's ramen hair was, like, on point in that video. His hair was the only one that was able to be recreated in a doll form. Yes, because it it was doll hair. It was so, doll hair. Um, when Courtney Love sang about doll parts, she was just she singing was, about Justin Timberlake. He was a baby when she... <laughs> no, he wasn't. He was, he was like, he was 13. Young. Yeah. 14? Still quite underage. I don't know. <laughs> She would sing about him. She would, but and I'm sure later in life she tried to seduce him at some point. Woof. Um, and also the chick that played Ambular on Clueless was in that video. She played Joey Fat One's girlfriend. Oh, 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 yeah. I don't think I ever made that connection. That was a good video. That was a very good the video. The '90s were good to her. Yeah, they were. 2000s, not so much. 2000s weren't really good to many of they us. They weren't good for anyone. They really weren't good Honestly, for me. Honestly, yeah. No, they weren't good for uh, Mr. Lou Perlman. 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 Do, do you have problems with eczema? Do you have psoriasis? <laughs> Those are different things. But either way, if you either have way, one of them. If you have a terrible skin condition, talk to your doctor about new Perlman. <laughs> Do not take if you are a living human being and don't want to be <laughs> manipulated and sexually assaulted. Yeah, because we're going to talk about all that shit. Yay, we're talking about Lou Pearlman today, guys, because it's garbage times and we're here for yeah. garbage TV. And guys, we haven't said this in a long time, but um, buckle up, buckaroos, because oh. wow. I mean, I did see the documentary on YouTube, what was it, like a year ago? Yeah, so... Lance Bass from InSync put together this uh, documentary that was on YouTube called The Boy Band Con, the Lou Perlman story or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But he talked to a bunch of people that were involved in Lou's bullshit. You could see all your old favorites. All your old favorites. Like Eric Carter. <laughs> oh. Ripperoni. Oh, bless his meth-riddled heart. But man... Wasn't time like, has not been kind to that boy. Most of the Backstreet Boys in that. Um, no, actually, I think only AJ. Oh, really? Was in it, but um, pretty much all of NSYNC except for Justin Timberlake. Just like now. <laughs> no, well, no. <laughs> um, Justin didn't wasn't in it, and uh, who else? Joey wasn't in it either. Oh yeah, that's right. He didn't talk, but 
J.C. Chazé and Chris Kirkpatrick and, of course, Lance Bass were all. Of course, all, Lance Bass. Of course, Lance Bass. He directed it. He did. He, he actually did a very good job, though. He did a really good job. It was a really well put together piece of cinema. Yeah. It was and good. very factual and interesting. And disturbing. Yeah. Mostly it was upsetting. Yeah. A lot of things you didn't know about Lou Pearlman. And I think this is the first time we're actually talking about a producer and not an actual musician. Oh, yeah. This is the first time we are not actually talking about a musician this week. Yeah. I mean, we are going to talk about the musicians he had. Uh, he was controlling, basically. Yeah. But, um, yeah, first time the full topic is on a producer. And boy, what a producer is he. Yeah. We, we decided to go a different route today because... Eh, it's it's a pretty fucked up story that you should probably know. But it's also juicy as fuck. Yeah, you, you see that blood orange over there? We're just going to squeeze it, it open and squeeze it all up in your juice. You're going to have the juiciest blood orange juice you ever had. <laughs> and to bring us around and keep us sane throughout this episode. <laughs> yeah, if you don't have a drink. Fucking yeah. get one. I, I would say a, get a drink for sure. Get a couple of them. Yeah, like line them up. You know, we're still in quarantine. You can still turn this into a drinking game again, guys. <laughs> Pretty sure every week you could turn it into a drinking game. We do. Basically, every time Maggie says, oh, come on, oh. then you drink. Oh, God. That's going to be the game for you. You're going to be drunk this. in the next 10 minutes. Y- you really are. <laughs> it's going to be a rough one. Well, it's a rough one. Also, whenever no. I reference Rob Thomas, <laughs> which is more than you would think. <laughs> anytime she breaks, if, throughout our entire podcast, every single episode, anytime any one of us references Santana featuring Rob Thomas. <laughs> you have to drink you have to drink you don't care drink. what's in front of you you have to drink it yep coffee beer yeah robitussin yeah well, sure i don't know what if it's you, there you know if you want a robo trip and you're an adult i can't stop <laughs> you but we are drinking an actual beer from yeah. oma gang yeah a prestigious establishment who you should support during these hard times yeah support your local beer maker yeah brewery there you go <laughs> We are drinking Silent Partner. It is a farmhouse IPA, and it's giving me the worst burps. <laughs> because it's an IPA. IPAs give me habitually yeah. the worst burps. Sorry, guys, but IPAs do not agree with me. No. Uh, honestly, I mean, this one's good. No, I yeah, this is like a it. totally agreeable IPA. Again, another week with an IPA. Definitely suited for people who don't like IPAs. Yes, that is true. Because it's not... It doesn't taste like a pine tree. It doesn't smell disgusting either. No. It's so. pretty good. But yeah, I mean, I saw it on the shelf and I'm like, yoink. That works. Perfect for Lou fucking Pearl Lumen. Pearl Lumen. <laughs> Buckle the fuck up. But yeah, t- if you guys see it, and actually I don't think, this must be newer because I've never seen this before. Yeah, they just came out with it, I want to say a few months ago, or at least that's when it started showing up on our beer store shelves. Yeah. Lou Perlman is a bit of a silent partner. He really is. You will The worst fi- kind of partner. You will find out just what kind of partner he is Ugh. in a little bit. Well, then yeah. perhaps we should just dive right in. Let's. All right. Let's All right. do it. Pop stars are a dime a dozen and have been for decades. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to legendary managers, producers, and creators, well, those are a little bit harder to come by. Lou Perlman knew he was never going to be a pop star. But he did know how to create them. We know who he is because he created groups like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, 
but his name would go down in history as one of the biggest music-related fraudsters to ever exist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Louis <laughs> <laughs> J. Perlman was born on June 19, 1954. He grew up in Mitchell Gardens, a large 41-building apartment complex in Linden Hill, Queens. He came from humble means. His father, High Perlman, owned a dry cleaning business, and his mother, Rini, was a school kitchen aide. Oh, well, that's, that's a nice, wholesome little... Yeah. Wholesome oh. little Jewish family. Yeah. From Queens. From Queens. What about Queens? <laughs> Lou was extremely shy and spent a lot of time by himself. He wasn't popular at all. He was the pudgy geek with Coke bottle glasses and a pocket protector that everyone in class made fun of. Oh, all right. That's all right. I can, for now, sympathy. For right now. Like, don't be mean to kids. Just don't be mean to, like, the dorky kid. You know, he maybe he won't grow up to be a manipulative piece of human <laughs> garbage. You never know. So, you know, maybe he wouldn't have if you weren't an asshole to him. His only real childhood friend was another weirdo kid named Alan Gross. <laughs> oh, he just. Oh, Aww. no. <laughs> that kid was so doomed. unfortunate. That kid was doomed. Yeah. These two friends had two big things in common they liked music and they liked blimps. What? Yeah. Like zeppelins? Yeah. Blimps. Not not blimpies, like the submarine <laughs> chain. <laughs> I mean, I think that. But actual aircraft blimps. Okay. This obsession with blimps stemmed from growing up across the street from Flushing Airport, where the two boys would watch blimps taking off and floating away. Okay, that's that must be interesting. Also, blimps is one of those words where if you say it enough, it loses all meaning. Oh, I don't think it's a real <laughs> word anymore. I think this is all fake news. Yeah. Blimps aren't real. What what are blimps? <laughs> Tell us insane clown posse. Oh yeah. What are blimps? Tell us Fox Mulder. <laughs> His love of blimps Blimps. So blimps was eclipsed by a personality trait that Lou carried with him throughout adulthood. He wanted to impress people so badly that he became a nonstop pathological liar. About blimps? About everything <laughs> and blimps. <laughs> everything and blimps to, to fucking really nail the coffin. Yeah. Actually, he did lie about blimps. One time he or he would tell people <laughs> that when he was like 10 years old, he conned his way to get a ride on a blimp. But actually, it was his friend Alan was doing like a school report on it and... He was the one that got... Yeah, they talk about that in the documentary, don't yeah. they? Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Oh, my God. And Alan Gross is like, no, I was the one doing a report for school, and he tagged along. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, cool. he basically had the personality of a used car salesman. He would take a... Yeah, he looked like a fucking used yeah. car salesman. He would take a little kernel of truth and surround it with lies and exaggerations. You knew some part of it was true, but not what parts right. were true. So you're like, well, I guess I'll go along because something's got to yeah, be true. Yeah, but I kind of doubt the entire story. Yeah. It's, yeah, I know people exactly like this. Yeah, everyone does. Yes. We all know somebody, at least one person. Yeah. Obviously, it was hard to tell the difference between truth and lies when it came to his past. However, the story of his first big break into the world of entrepreneurship it's pretty easy to pinpoint exactly when it becomes unbelievable. Oh. The story is that he convinced a friend to let him buy out his paper route for $500. Oh, yeah. 
But Lou, being an ambitious little rascal, decided to buy out multiple paper routes and hire his own ragtag group of misfits to do the dirty work. Yeah. He then levels up, customizing each customer's paper delivery service. Do you want yours left in your door, under the welcome mat, in the mail slot? Oh, yeah. Didn't he, like, make little surveys for all of them to fill out? Yeah, he, like, put... He, like, made cards, like, index cards and put everybody's information. You know, whatever you wanted, Lou got you covered. Then, according to Lou, who who is a child at this time, somehow strikes a deal with Dunkin' Donuts to have donuts delivered to customers along with their morning paper. I mean, I feel like he just went to Dunkin' Donuts and used his own money. And bought them. And bought donuts. That's not really striking a deal with Dunkin' yeah, Donuts. But he was making it sound like he was like 12 years old and talking to like corporate leaders at Dunkin' Donuts. Or maybe, at best, I'm going to say, perhaps, like the people at that Dunkin' knew him. And we're like, we'll give him a baker's dozen for free because yeah. he's here all the fucking time. Maybe. And, and like, he's, he's a fat a cute... kid and he likes donuts. <laughs> I mean, I assume he's going to tell them what he's doing and they might be like, oh, that's really cute. Look at this cute kid. He's so smart. Yeah. Because I'm going to say, I'm going to give him this. Like, that's fucking smart. It is smart. Like, that is, like, I never would have thought about doing that. Yeah. But, but that's also- why I'm also... I never ended up... I was supposed to go into marketing. There's a reason I didn't. Yeah. Because I don't have that kind of foresight. Yeah. But I could believe this far more if he had gone to, like, a neighborhood bakery. Not Dunkin' Donuts. No, I could believe Dunkin' Donuts. Their their garbage donuts are fucking cheap as hell. If you go to a real bakery, you're going to have to pay a little bit more. You go to Dunkin' Donuts because those shits are cheap and they're not good. (laughs) Fight me. Granted, I I really don't know what Dunkin' Donuts was like in like 1967. So I'm gonna imagine same garbage. as it was now. Still garbage. Still not. It's mass produced. It's probably sent. Like maybe they made them fresh in the 60s at each location, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm know. not putting a lot of stock into it because it's still a franchise. So it's still like cheap products, cheaply made, sold for cheap. You go to a mom and pop shop, they're gonna charge you a little more because. They're putting their, like, fucking life into that. Yeah. But granted, back then, if Dunkin' Donuts even actually existed in name at that point, they were still pretty small. Did Dunkin' Donuts exist? In some form or another, yes. Okay, you've got me up until the Dunkin' Donuts part. I don't know why I'm so focused on this. You can keep going. (laughs) Let's let's shut up about Dunkin' Donuts. I think it's because I've been craving donuts for a week, but not Dunkin' Donuts. I want real donuts. Yeah. Well, anyway, supposedly he paid the $500 to his friend with interest and made a buttload of money for himself. The only problem is the friend confirmed that this story was complete horseshit. (gasps) Not only did he not sell Lou his paper route, he didn't even have the ability to sell a paper route because paper routes were not owned by anyone. (laughs) Like... focused on something dumb oh my god <laughs> little Perlman he got you you got Perlman I got Perlman <laughs> I got looped <laughs> it's like getting duped by Lou Perlman you get looped got looped oh my god I got looped he also liked to brag a lot but again it's hard to decipher fact from fiction 
He bragged to his schoolmates about being first cousins with Art Garfunkel of Simon and Garfunkel. I do remember that. He even invited everyone he knew to his bar mitzvah when he was 13, making a point to say that Art Garfunkel was going to be there. Oh my god. Garfunkel is another one where if you say it too much, it loses all meaning. Art Garfunkel. 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 (laughs) No one was sure if he was lying or not, but showed up to the bar mitzvah just to see. Turns out this was the one time Lou wasn't lying. Halfway through the party, Cousin Artie showed up to everyone's astonishment. I guess when you're going to be a pathological liar, you need that one ace in the hole. Yeah, you have to have a kernel of truth. And this was actually his, like, big kernel. Which, I'm going to give it to him. Like, that's a big fucking kernel. Yeah. Because the next time someone doubts you, they're going to be like, yeah, but he said he's related to Art Garfunkel, and he is. Yeah, and that was true. So, like, I guess some of the other stuff he said could be true. Yeah, because at this point, like, the Art Garfunkel thing seems less believable than the going to Dunkin' Donuts and striking a deal. Right. But the one that was less believable turned out to be the one that's true. Which is how you do it, honestly. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's how you do it right. Do yeah. not do what we're telling you. Don't become a pathological liar. <laughs> Please don't liar. be a pathological liar, because if you do, you can fuck right off. Yeah, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. This was Lou's first brush with fame. He saw the looks on people's faces when Art Garfunkel showed up and knew they would always remember Lou for setting up that meeting. As Lance Bass said in the documentary that we just talked about, Lou would always take a little nugget of truth. Mm-hmm. When he was a kid, Art Garfunkel was that nugget. It made him feel like people actually gave a shit about him you know coincidentally enough also that was the same day as the first day that he masturbated (laughs) to his own (laughs) glorious fame to his own good job you did a good job i did a good job job. i did a good job you did such a good job (laughs) (laughs) and that was the last time he ever saw his penis oh (laughs) but seriously fuck him yeah seriously (laughs) Despite his relation to a famous musician, it didn't make anyone like Lou anymore. He was still unpopular and still felt like the fat kid no one liked, and he wanted more for himself. Now, in any other scenario, I would feel really bad for the kid. Because when you're a kid, you like kind of feel like if I do the thing that everyone's going to be impressed with, they're going to like me. Yeah. But I know that feeling. I would feel more bad for him if Lou Pearlman didn't grow up to be who he became. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, in any other story, yeah. I'd feel bad for oh, the kid. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel bad because he grows up to be yeah. Pearl Lumen. Not at all. Even if even if he had grown up to be a musician and he was just an asshole, but he didn't do any of the shit that I'm about to tell you he's doing, <laughs> like, I would still be like, yeah, you're an asshole, but whatever. Like, that shouldn't happen to you when you were a kid. Yeah. That shouldn't have happened to anybody. Right. Except this, this is how you get, you want a Lou Pearlman? Because this is how you get Lou Pearlman. You know, a lot of people said if uh, everybody just let Hitler be an artist, he would have been an artist and not a dictator. That's not true. But <laughs> No, I know. Right? That's 100% not true. But also, he was not a very good artist. So I get it. Oh, my God. Is Lou Pearlman Hitler? <laughs> I mean, Yeah. Maybe. Man, we're going to piss somebody off with that comment. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, there are parallels. It's not 100%. Oh, there my is, God, he's Hitler. But There like... is a sociopathy. Oh, there yeah. There is a pathos to sociopathy. Oh, yeah. And and very much like getting rejected. Most people who are normal and get rejected are like, man, I need to work harder on myself. Or I can learn something from this and become a better person. But, but if no, you're a sociopath. People like Lou Perman and Hitler 
see rejection and say, well, I'm going to kill all of you. I'm going to show everyone by becoming the fucking worst. Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's exactly what Lou Pearlman was trying to do. Yeah. Show everybody how great he was. After graduating high school, he attended Queens College, where he majored in business and continued his love of aviation. During his freshman year, he developed a business plan for a helicopter taxi service for a class project. When he graduated in 1974, he took that same business model and implemented it, launching his taxi business with one helicopter. Who's using this business? Famous people. This is the dumbest shit. Yeah, famous people that just need to get from one place to another real quick with no traffic. That's the dumbest shit I have ever heard of. (laughs) So dumb. But you know it's just because he wanted to ride around in a helicopter. Oh, God, you're right. That's just, that's the only reason he did it. Ugh. He never forgot blimps, though. (laughs) I never forgot my first blimp. I'll never forget you, blimp. You'll never forget your first blimp, though, guys. (laughs) You know, honestly, I never forgot my first blimp. Yeah, I I, I don't think I've had a first blimp. <laughs> it's, it was, everybody's first blimp was the Hindenburg, and we all know how that went down. <laughs> I think my first blimp was just listening to Led Zeppelin 4. <laughs> there we go. There it is. That was my first blimp. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, that's, that album's such a whore. It was everybody's first blimp. I thought uh, Physical Graffiti was everybody's first blimp. What? Are we, are we talking about Led Zeppelin? Yes. Oh, I thought we were talking about specific albums. No, 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 no. Just Led Zeppelin in general. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no. That is a really... Led Zeppelin's a real whore of a blimp, isn't it? <laughs> it's a whore of a blimp. Real whore of a blimp over there. I'm going to blame Jimmy Page on that one. <laughs> Yeah, let's blame Jimmy Page. Yeah. 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 After training with businessman Theodore Wollenkemper in West Germany. Oh. <gasps> West Germany. Is it East Germany? East Germany was the uh communist controlled yes. part. Yes. Yes, but still. <gasps> Germany. <gasps> Germany. My <laughs> God. They're the same person. Lou and figured it out, guys. <laughs> Um, yeah, after training with businessman Theodore Wollenkemper in West Germany, Lou went back to New York to launch his first blimp enterprise with Alan Gross, which they called Airship Enterprises LTD. That's, yeah, that's a good name. Solid, solid naming right there. Very descriptive. Because I would have called it Blimpterprise. <laughs> and that wouldn't have been as hot. So, all right. What was the name of the TV show? Oh, Pimp Your Blimp. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> Pimp Your Blimp. Oh, you're going to have the coolest blimps, though. <laughs> Such cool blimps. Exhibit's going to be in every single one of them with like a 300,000. But he's going to explain everything. TV. Yeah, and he's going to get you so hyped for this blimp ride. So hyped. <laughs> so hyped for these blimps, man. Thanks, Exhibit. <laughs> Could that be our Lou Perlman story is that we had a entrepreneurial ship with, uh, with Exhibit for Pip My Blimp. That just fell through because MTV but it didn't fell want through. it. We were, no, we were too big for MTV. Yeah, we were too big. And it just fell they apart. They just didn't offer us enough money. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Well, they didn't land MTV or Exhibit. Well, that's <laughs> fucked up. Actually, they got a deal with Jordash. What? However, they didn't actually have a blimp 
They could have made one out of all the jeans. <laughs> Sew them together. Sew fill it with heel. You could have had a Jordash flip. It would fray too much. Once you cut once you cut them apart. Yeah, those Jordash jeans do not hold up. No, they don't. <laughs> You'd have all like the 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 little they also things don't, from the hammers. They also don't stretch. So oh, yeah, they're the right. ones you had to like lay on a bed to pull to zip up. Oh yeah. So, yeah, no. Anyway. They didn't actually have a blimp. And Lou used the money he got from the deal with Jordash to purchase an old beat up and worn out blimp. To make it look decent, he painted the entire thing with $50,000 worth of genuine gold paint. Very stupid idea. That's not a lot of paint. But that's like also- $50,000 worth of gold paint doesn't sound like it would be a lot of paint, right? Because it's but gold But this paint. is also the late 70s. So $50,000. What is from- Alan doing through all of this? Is he just like sitting on his hands like, this is fun for me? I feel like Alan was kind of the cuckold of this relationship. He had to be. He <laughs> had to like, be. Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. Oh, okay. You can do it, I guess. Okay. That's fine. Lou was bigger. Yeah. He knew he, he'd get beat up. Yeah. <laughs> it's unsurprising then that on its maiden voyage, the blimp crashed in the middle of a field in New Jersey <gasps> almost immediately after takeoff. Oh my gosh. Because you don't paint a blimp with metal paint. <gasps> I didn't even... Oh, my God. Come on. (laughs) There you go. Drink. (laughs) Honestly, it could have been Lou's intent from the start to commit insurance fraud. He'd had the blimp, which he'd only purchased for $10,000, insured for $3 million. (gasps) And painted it with $50,000. Yeah. So, So overall, he spent $60,000 to make $3 million. Exactly. Which is smart. Exactly. I mean, but not. Don't do that. And any person who knew as much about blimps as Lou Pearlman did would know that you don't paint the entire thing with gold paint because it's way too fucking heavy. Of course it's going to crash as soon as it takes off. This Fucking is so idiot. ridiculous. It just gets worse, guys. This whole incident forced a rift between Lou and Alan. Good. <laughs> Finally. Good. Alan, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Alan truly felt that Lou committed fraud, and Lou in turn felt he couldn't trust Alan anymore. Alan Because re- Alan's not a piece of shit. Yeah, because Alan probably knew the truth. Alan retreated, and eventually Airship Enterprises LTD dissolved. Goodbye, Pip my blimp. It's not over yet. Oh. More blimps are to be had. Oh, good. Yeah. It's not the end of the blimps. It's not the end of the blimp world. You still have Into the Outdoor, which nobody <laughs> really liked, but it had a couple jams. Yeah. It's all right. All right. It's still, still kicking. It's still got some bops. <laughs> so now Lou had $3 million. He could do anything with it. He started a new blimp company called Airship International. But this company was publicly traded. He lured investors in by touting a fake partnership with Theodore Vollenkemper to impress would-be investors and advertisers, eventually snagging not only McDonald's as his clients, but also SeaWorld and MetLife. Oh, Those are some big investors. Those are some big fucking names right there. Yeah. Lou bought himself a Rolls Royce and a penthouse apartment because he figured if he had a flashy lifestyle, that would instill confidence into his clients and get more business. Also, you know, he's sitting around saying, I deserve this. Yeah. I, this is I all the people that made fun of me. I've earned this. I've had such a hard life. Yeah. But also, I feel like Rolls Royce is like the car of choice for like creepy pedophiles. Yup. Right? 
Yup. Not just me. If you're driving a Rolls Royce. I ain't getting in that car with you. Look at your choices. Look at your life. Look at your choices. Well, it worked, and eventually his business expanded to helicopter and charter plane services for high-end clients. He made people think that he owned these aircrafts. However, that was not the case. He was actually renting these charter planes from another company, then turning around and renting them out to other people under the guise that he owned them outright. Yeah. Cool. Cool, man. It was like he was subletting these planes. It was... This is like the biggest Airbnb scheme I've ever heard of. (laughs) Yeah. He often boasted about the big names he would lease his planes to. Phil Collins, Paul McCartney, Madonna, etc., etc. Phil Collins. (laughs) Phil Collins. It's in the air tonight. Me. I'm in the air tonight. (laughs) And I'm in this plane. (laughs) (laughs) But it was one extremely popular boy band that made Lou realize he was in the wrong business. Mm Mm-hmm. New Kids on the Block rented one of Lou's planes during the height of their career in the late 80s. When they had a lot of hits? Yeah, all them hits. Nice. Please don't go, girl. Like that one. Oh, oh, (laughs) The right stuff. Don't get me started singing New Kids on the Block. You can't make me stop. (laughs) He couldn't believe that these literal children could afford to charter his private plane, which he was charging $250,000 a month for. How could they afford to charter my planes that aren't even my planes? <laughs> yeah. I but, can't even afford these. <laughs> That's why I'm charging so much money. Yeah. But once he realized the new kids raked in nearly a billion dollars in 1990 alone, wow. that was enough to convince Lou to get into the music game. Well, the music game, that's a pretty tough and intense game. Yeah. But there are less intense games. Or more your... intense, if you want. Well, I meant on, like, your mental health. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. On your on your physical health, though. <laughs> might, might be testing you a bit when you play some games in the bedroom. Hmm. Hmm. Well, and we can help you out with that. We can 100% help you out with that. Because if you head down to adameve.com and use our promo code, CandyPod, you can go ahead and pick yourself nearly any one item. Mm-hmm. For fifty percent off, and after that, they're gonna give you a whole bunch of gifts. You can get one free gift for one of y'all, another, another free gift for another one of y'all, and then a third free gift for either one of you or maybe both a third. You? Both of you, Ooh, maybe third? the third. Ooh, the third. Any any Again, old thing. You know, games are more than one player sometimes. They are more than two players too. Yeah. But, I mean, they're going to give you options for a one- to three-player game. Yeah. So you get the one thing for person one, something for person two, something maybe for person three. And then you get a whole bunch of movies. Six. Count them. One, two, three, four, five. Six. Six Movies. You know what rhymes with six? Sex. Ooh. They're sexy movies. (laughs) Sexy, spicy movies. Six sexy, spicy movies. Mm. See that alliteration? Means yeah. you know you want it. For your eyeballs. And on top of all of that, you get that free, free shipping. Yep. And you know you want that free, free shipping. That's the best part. That honestly. is the best part. I mean, how how do you not want that? And I mean, granted, I get it. Right now, quarantine, maybe you're not seeing anybody. So think about it. You can have all that shit for yourself. 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 Treat yourself. Honestly, do whatever you want with yourself. <laughs> You Seriously, can... that's the safest sex you can have at Corona times. Yeah. 
Self-love is safe love. It is. So, yeah. Go on over to adamandeve.com. Use our code CANDYPOD, C-A-N-D-Y-P-O-D, not the band. But you will still feel so alive. You will. When you use that code. And get three free gifts. Well. Yeah. Three free gifts. Yeah. Three free gifts. Six Something movies. 50% off. Six movies and free shipping. Yeah. You get a lot of shit. Why are you not using this right now? You know, I really hope right now you're on your phone or your computer or whatever. And you're typing in adamandeve.com, putting in CandyPod, and getting yourself some of that good shit. Well, something, something. For your something, something. Yep. Enjoy it. So, yeah, let's continue because that was a good place to put that commercial. Yeah. So. As good as it's going to get As here. good as it's going to get because it's all fucking downhill from here. Oof. So, this brilliant idea that Lou had couldn't have come at a better time. For a while, it looked like Airship International was doing great. Mm-hmm. Except it wasn't. <laughs> you don't say. After three of his blimps crashed and a major advertiser walked away, the company's stock plummeted and it was shut down. Okay, that checks. By now it was 1992 and Lou had relocated to Orlando, Florida. He knew that he personally was not going to be on stage singing. He didn't have the looks, the moves, or the singing chops. Instead, he was going to be the silent partner, the sixth member of a boy band that did everything behind the scenes. That's where we got the beer from. There you go. Ah. He started Transcontinental Records, which he would be the head of, and began a talent search that cost $3 million. I feel like he just pulls these big words, like international, continental, enterprise, Atlantic. Like, yeah. What the, like, he's like, if I use these words, they're going to make me sound important. Yeah, it's all part of the show. I hate it. Everything is just image and flash. And if you put on this grand enough image, people are going to believe anything you but say. But it's so cold and obviously manufactured. Yeah. yeah. Everything about They're it. They're just is. words. Yeah. They don't mean anything. So he sent out what are called blue sheets to agents all over the U.S. Mm-hmm. These are casting calls sent through the mail specifically for entertainment industry people. The blue sheet laid out the plan for the boy band Lou wanted to put together. He wanted, quote, new kids type singers, meaning cute young boys yeah. with fantastic vocals with the ability to harmonize and dance. Yep. That's, At that the is same exactly time. what it sounds like for new kids on the block. Yeah. After holding auditions in his blimp hangar in Kissimmee, Florida in 1992. What? Blimp hangar. What? I'm sorry. Where were these? In a blimp hangar. Like, the minute I drive up and see a blimp hanger, I'm like, nah, I'm going home. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Yeah. This was in Kissimmee, Florida in 1992. Is that how you say it? Kissimmee. Yes. So I was like, kiss me. Kissy me. It's, it looks like it should be, but it's Kissimmee. Oh. I learned something today. Yeah. Look at that. I've been pronouncing it wrong for most of my life. I think most New Yorkers have been pronouncing it wrong for most yeah. of their lives. And I'm not going to pronounce it right either. Yeah. I'm 36. I'm not changing my ways now. I like kissing me. Kissing me. Honestly, it makes something in Florida sound cute. So. Yeah. There you go. That's it. Anyway, yeah. This is when the Backstreet Boys were born. AJ McLean, Nick Carter, and Howie Duro were the first to be hired. Kevin Richardson, who was friends with Lou's limo driver, was recruited after Lou saw him playing Aladdin in a Disney World parade. And also, like... Boy is like 10 years older than everybody else, right? No, he's not. He just looks a lot older. That's unfortunate for But him. also, he hasn't aged since he was like 18. Oh, so. so he's like a quick ager, but then he just stays there. Yeah, like between, I would say between the ages of 10 and 18, he like 
all like shot up straight to you look 30 and then he stayed 30 for the rest of his life like i don't think i looked like an adult until i was like 32 and now i feel like i look like an adult now well now i feel like i look my age yeah same yeah I'm like, oh, I hit 36 finally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I finally caught up to myself. Great. Awesome. Yeah. And Kevin then brought in his cousin, Brian Luttrell. I always forget that they're cousins. Yeah. They don't look anything alike. No. Not a Not single no. bit. Not a bit. Nope. Now these boys had to get down to work. Lou provided them with vocal lessons, choreographers, wardrobe, and everything, but worked them like dogs. Yeah. But that's like the story of... Every boy-girl group oh, of yeah. the 90s and 2000s, right? And even now, like, this is the 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 oh, groundwork. This is, this is the groundwork for K-pop. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. This is where they got their inspiration. They looked at what Lou Pearlman did for boy bands and, like, took it to the next fucking level. Which, I mean, that checks. South Korea will take what we do and oh, do yeah. it better. This is not a case where you want to do that, though, South Korea. You want to do yeah, this no. worse than we did. Yes, Please stop doing this. <laughs> Guys, I promise we are still going to like your K-pop bands if you don't murder them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they practice singing and dancing for up to 18 hours a day in airplane hangars in the middle of the summer in Orlando, Florida with no air conditioning. Hours? Hangers? Yeah. They're still in the hangars. Still in the airplane hangars because this is the only places that Lou actually owned. <laughs> I mean, I wish you could just see the far off distant look in my eyes of confusion and (laughs) hatred. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah. (sighs) Hours and hours of exhaustive dancing and singing in balls hot weather as if they were in a boy band boot camp. Yeah. That's pretty much what they put them through. Mm -hmm. But these guys wanted this so badly that they suffered through it. Mm. All they wanted to do was make music and entertain and they truly believed that Lou was their ticket. The fact that Lou was constantly showering them with his own lavish lifestyle made all the painstaking hard work worth it. Mm-hmm. They also looked to him as a father figure. At least while they were in Orlando, away from home, Lou was the only older male in their lives. They went to him for everything, from money to life advice, and Lou made a point to give them whatever they needed, which in turn made them dependent on him. Mm-hmm. He even made the boys call him Big Papa. Which is the most cringy thing. Would you say that he loved it when they called him Big Papa? (gasps) Is this before Big Papa? Oh, no. No, this was after. Right? So, like, yo, you are culturally appropriating Biggie. Yeah, he's taking Biggie's nickname. No. You don't get to do that. You don't get to do that. Just because you're fat, sir. All right. And just because you want these boys to call you daddy. Because you... Because, but that is exactly... He is 100% following the narcissist cookbook. Mm-hmm. Like, he is that's trying what to you create do. a cult. You give them little kernels of love, but also, like, push them beyond their breaking points. Yeah, and but take then, them away from their families, away from their friends, mm-hmm. and force them to work constantly all day to the point of exhaustion so they can't like physically or mentally fight back. Right. And then you also get them to the point where they're they're about to leave or they're breaking and they're totally broken and right before they're there you like act like their Soothe savior, them. act like you're saving yeah. them from themselves instead of the fact that they're dying because you're torturing them. Yeah. Yeah. So he is he's a cult leader. He is yeah, he is following that book. We're all good. Yeah. In the worst way. Mm -hmm. All the hard work quickly paid off. 
Lou booked the Backstreet Boys for some shows at SeaWorld and shopped videos of the performances around to industry managers, soon catching the eye of New Kids on the Block's former road managers, Johnny and Donna Wright. They signed on as Backstreet's managers, and after a successful run of high school gymnasium performances, the group Mm. was signed to Jive Records in 1993. In 1995, Backstreet blew the fuck up overseas, with a second wave of Backstreet fever hitting the U.S. shortly after. Oh. Their success was off the charts and money was rolling in. Lou thought, well, this is working really well. Oh, no. And surely someone is going to come along and copy it. If someone's going to create a rival for Backstreet Boys anyway, why shouldn't it be me? Yeah. Which is probably the most fucked up thing. The I've... most backhanded, backstabbing bullshit ever. Like, I think this was one of the things the documentary that bothered me the most was how fucking gross and manipulative this is. Yeah, he wrote the handbook on manipulation. Oh, yeah. Very much. Definitely like copyright Lou Perlman, TMTM. TM. <laughs> That same year, Lou quietly started putting together another boy band that would eventually become InSync. Yep. By 1995, InSync was already in the works, but Lou was keeping their existence very hush hush. Mm-hmm. He didn't even let Johnny and Donna in on his little secret. He even went so far as to use the code name B5 for InSync whenever he had to log an InSync ex- expense into transcontinental spending books. Now, this is totally legal for him to do that because he does own Transcontinental, correct? I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If it's if it's his money that he's spending, right. then yeah, he can pretty much do whatever he wants. But he's still kind of doing it off of the money that Backstreet Boys are earning. Yes. I and mean, other money that I will get into later. <sighs> yes. But that's still real fucked up, right? Like, it's okay for me to feel like... It's fucked up that he kept it a secret from everyone. Because he he didn't even want the guys in NSYNC mentioning his name, mentioning that they were affiliated with him, mentioning that they knew him. They couldn't couldn't tell anybody anything. Oh my god, this is a cult! Yeah. Come on! (laughs) Yeah. Lou used the same tactics to create NSYNC as he did Backstreet. They paid their dues in boy band boot camp, and when they were ready, they signed to a German record label and started gaining popularity in Europe before moving on to the U.S. It's so fucking sneaky. Yeah, same exact playbook. It's so fucking gross. It was very rough start for NSYNC. Everybody still had Backstreet fever and weren't exactly ready for another boy band to fight for the spotlight. The turning point came thanks to a Disney special that the Backstreet Boys blew off. Disney wanted to film an hour-long special about the group that was a combination of getting-to-know-you segments and performances. Mm -hmm. And Backstreet were flat-out exhausted and pissed about having to do it. They were run-fucking-ragged. You don't say. And they didn't have any breaks, so they said, no, fuck that. And that was exactly probably what Perlman was waiting for. Yeah. As soon as they said no... Lou swooped in and plunked in sync in front of the camera instead. Oh my god. They aired the shit out of that Disney special, and InSync's profile increased dramatically. And Justin Timberlake came from Disney, so they were probably pumped. So did JC Chazé. I was gonna ask. Also, was Lance? No, Lance was not. Okay. Um Chris, Kirkpatrick, and Joey Fat One, they worked at Universal. 
I oh, believe yes. they okay. either worked at Disney World or Universal. I think it was Universal Studios. And technically, like, Chris and Joey, like, started the band. They wanted to get it together. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then one of them, I think, I think Chris knew Justin mm-hmm. somehow, probably just from working at Disney or whatever. Yeah. And Justin knew JC. And then they got Lance in there somehow. Somebody knew somebody. Wasn't it, like, even Lance's mom somehow, like, was in... They got involved. I think they knew his mom. Yeah. Somebody knew his mom. Like one of their moms knew her. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, they were all like, we're stage moms. Hey. (laughs) Yeah. Although I I will say Lance's mother seems very sweet. She, Lance himself seems very sweet. Oh. I could totally hang out with Lance on a regular day and, you know. They all seem like really nice people, to be honest. Yes, they do. Like, I know, like, teenage Maggie was super against these boy bands, but adult Maggie's like, these all seem like really nice human beings, and I yeah. can totally have a decent conversation and hang out with them. And I also watched the fucking shit out of that Disney special. I taped it on a VHS cassette, <laughs> and I watched it so much. Oh, and like, I hope looking, you didn't tape the commercials. I probably did. I don't know. Were there commercials? I don't know. I mean, I assume. I didn't have cable. You know this. It, yeah, it was the cable thing. Maybe they did. I don't know. Whatever. But the, no, matters. the thing is, like, looking back on it, when Lance finally came out of the closet, I remembered bits and pieces of that Disney special. And I was like, wait a second. Everything he said in that special was just like a lightning bolt going towards gay, <laughs> gay, gay. It's <gay." laughs> like, I remember there was one point when, of course, some whoever was interviewing them was like, what's your favorite body part on a woman? And like, Justin was like, oh, butt. And somebody was like, oh, legs. And Lance was like, stomach. And I'm like, that's because you're thinking of a dude. You don't even like ladies. <laughs> you don't even like ladies. Breasts are like, Bags of sand, right? <laughs> Just like nice bags of sand. It's like you can build a sand castle? castle with them. He was basically a 40 year old virgining it. <laughs> but like just because he doesn't like women, not yeah. because he hadn't had sex. Oh, boy had sex at Bible camp yeah. with oh, other boys. Plenty of it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're going to make it up be just, gay. Sure, you are. He just, in his head, he's like, penis. Pain. Don't say penis. Don't say penis. Don't say penis. Stomach. <laughs> Any other body part Any would have done. Body. So they went from selling a few thousand albums a week to selling fifty to sixty thousand a week. Nice. Before they knew it, InSync blew up. Now the cat was out of the bag. Backstreet Boys were understandably angry at Lou for hiding a rival boy band in yep. front of them, especially because it was their own manager that created their own competition. Yup. Yeah. Oh, I would have lost my shit. I would have been livid. Lou himself nurtured that rivalry between Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. He kept the two groups away from each other, feeding each of them bullshit about the other so that the rivalry would seem legit. Like, he would go to the Backstreet Boys and talk shit about NSYNC, and then he'd go to NSYNC and talk shit about Backstreet Boys. Oh, so... Cult leader tactics. Exactly. And wasn't he telling Backstreet Boys, oh, I made this on purpose to make you more popular or something, I feel like? Probably. 
I wouldn't doubt it. Like, oh, because I like, how else are you going to hide that? But like, oh, so I made a rival band to make you more popular because yeah. everyone's going to want to stick by you because you exactly. were here first. Exactly. And then he probably goes to NSYNC and like, I made you because the Backstreet Boys aren't aren't reliable and blah, blah, blah. Right. And it worked. And it helped them get even more fans. And it helped established fans double down on their deep and bottomless love for their favorite group. And that deep love equaled more money. But Luke proved himself right. He took that new kid's model and twice now made successful boy bands. Money was rolling in and he was only paying these guys that notorious per diem money. Which is gross. Garbage. We learned this on our TLC episode. Mm -hmm. Per diem money is bullshit money. Never sign up for fucking per diem. Yeah. NSYNC were paid $35 a day at first. They thought that was really great. Especially because all their hotels and plane rides and buses were paid for by Lou. They were a part of Lou's lavish, super expendy lifestyle, so they weren't really going to complain much. But at the same time, they couldn't afford their rent or to buy a car for themselves. But also in terms of, like, cult status, not bad. Yeah. In comparison to other cults, I mean, you put them up against, like, Branch Davidians, they got a pretty good life. Yeah, they didn't get paid at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And Lou spoiled them. He owned a huge mansion that was basically a teenage boy's wet dream. It was a cross between an amusement park and Tom Hanks' apartment in the movie Big. (laughs) Pretty much what it was. (laughs) On top of that, he was showering these kids with gifts, rides in fancy cars, meals at fancy restaurants, and also doing the same for their parents. Oh. You know what this reminds me of? Neverland Ranch and what Michael Jackson would do for I am getting some severe leaving Neverland vibes from this shit yes because at any time you could go to Lou Perlman's mansion and just find a ton of young boys just running around on like motorcycles or BMX bikes and like playing on a Ferris wheel or some shit I don't know because teenage boys are like cool this yeah. is fun. Yeah. And fun equals love, right? Exactly. We need to do better for men. Like, for boys, we need to tr- teach boys that, like, that all of this is bullshit and, like, to be emotional and to have feelings and, like, physical and material things aren't what's gonna, yeah. like, like... I think there's two I things think that... that... They've taught. I think that we teach boys that this is like how you show love and it's not yeah i think that there's two things that we really need to teach boys at a very young age it's one fucking respect women yeah yeah yeah. and two open your eyes to shit like this (laughs) because it's not just because it's another male doesn't mean that it's okay right and like yeah three have emotions it's fine yeah yeah and like you're you're all right to trust your gut and i don't know just there's there's a lot of things we did wrong, guys. There's a lot of things we've done wrong. Well, not us. You. Actually, you adults. <laughs> you, guys. We're you looking people at you. with children. Yes. But the question is, where was Lou getting all of this money? Where was Lou getting all this money? Yeah. How could he afford expensive dinners, a multi-million dollar mansion, and a parking lot full of Rolls Royces? Well, Pedophile mobiles. <laughs> 
pedophile on wheels. <laughs> well, in the midst of all this boy band creation, Lou had started an airline company called Transcontinental Airlines in tandem with another company called Transcontinental Airlines Travel Services Incorporated. Can he please fucking come up with something more creative? No. God damn it. All of his creative juices are going into NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. Come on! He shopped these companies out to investors. And I'm not talking big names here. These investors were not the Bill Gateses or the Jimmy Buffets of the 1990s. <laughs> I'm talking about everyday Joes, mostly in their 70s and 80s, that have a decent chunk of money to invest so that they could make money for their retirement or for their families. Oh. He- oh. Yeah, he was scamming like old people. Oh. He pitched a flourishing airline company to these people. He had financial statements, attestations from accounting firms, and documents from the FDIC, AIG, and Lloyds of London, all all the proof he needed to show investors that his company was successful and it was a worthy investment for them. Oh, my God. He also promised free Backstreet and InSync concert tickets, meet and greets with the bands, limo rides to and from airports, and all this extra fluff that made the investment look real good. The only problem was it was all a lie. Yeah. Transcontinental Airlines and the travel services company only existed on paper. Lou didn't even have any planes. What he did was he took a model airplane that said Transcontinental on it. It was like, it was like what, like two or three feet long. He held it up in the air by the tail fin and took went to an airport and through like the same kind of like depth perception tricks <gasps> made it look like he like held the model in the air and took pictures of it to make it look like it was taking off from the runway. And he used those pictures, gave it to people. It was like, here, here's my plane. The plane never existed. It was a th- like three foot model plane that he just held in the air and took pictures of it. That's bananas yeah and all of the documents from the fdc fdic and aig and etc were all fake all of the accounting statements were fake and even the photos were fake everyone that gave lou money were scammed out of their life savings he managed to scam banks into giving him money with these fake documents i don't feel as bad about the banks yeah no but 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 the people yeah Holy shit! He scammed millions of dollars. I think the total he scammed out of just the investors was like $95 million. Oh. Oh. That's painful. Over the course of 20 years, Lou scammed all of that money out of banks and investors. He took the money and used it to supplement his extremely indulgent lifestyle. And that lifestyle in turn impressed the boy bands, who would then go out and make him even more money. How much fucking money did this dude have? Millions. Ugh. After a few years, NSYNC were catching on to that something wasn't right here. Mm-hmm. They had been working nonstop for two years straight when Lou brought them to L.A. for their first big check presentation. They were thinking, hey, we've sold millions of records and have worked so hard for everything. Mm-hmm. These checks are going to be for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. I remember this. So Lou takes them and their families to a fancy restaurant, yep. acting like this is an amazing, memorable event. All of their hopes and dreams were ripped to shreds yep. when they opened the envelopes, saw the checks were for only $10,000 each. Yep. <laughs> and in every interview that Lance Bass does, he's like, well, I didn't want to seem ungrateful. So I was like, 
gay. <laughs> right. I mean, these kids are still like, what, 20? Not even. 18? I think Lance probably would have been like 18 or 19. Yeah. Yeah. They were still kids. And I don't give a fuck what you say. Even until like probably your mid-20s, you don't know how to react to a situation like that with an adult because you're still kind of treated like a kid. Yeah. And these guys especially had been treated like A, kids, like B, lose kids. So- they didn't know what to say or how to react. Right. And, you know, all of, most of them came from, like, nice Southern families where yeah. you just smiled and said thank you, and mm-hmm. then that's it. But, yeah, InSync wanted to go over their contract, but they didn't have money to hire a lawyer. No. So J.C. Chazé called up his lawyer uncle to go over the contract at no charge. Uncle lawyer, can you please look at our contracts for free? That's so funny because I totally called him uncle lawyer in my notes. Yay, uncle lawyer! (laughs) My next line is literally uncle lawyer found problem after problem with their contract and said that it was one of the worst contracts he'd seen in music history. Yeah. What Lou did was he actually made himself the sixth member of both Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Yep. So whatever money the band members made, he also made. And that was on top of the commissions he made as head of Transcon and their manager. This is also when the boys found out what recoupable expenses were. Mm -hmm. All those fancy dinners and hotel stays and plane rides, they were made to pay Lou back for all of that. But where the five members of the group had to repay those expenses, Lou, as the sixth member, didn't. Yeah. And when it came to the Backstreet Boys, Lou had taken a $10 million cut of their revenue, meanwhile giving them a check of only $300,000 to split amongst the five of them. Ugh. Can you believe that? He makes $10 million and they get 300000 He did a lot of work, he okay? Did so much work. He danced guys. real hard in those hangers. He had a lot of hot dogs while he shouted orders at them. Yep. I just imagine, like, Lou just sitting there sweating his ass off in the hangar watching these guys dance with their shirts off, just a loaded hot dog in one hand and, like, a One of those personal fans. And a personal fan and, like, a dipped ice cream cone in his other hand and he's just double fisting them, just, like, one after another. Hey, hey, it's one, two, three, four. (laughs) Not one, two, three, four. God damn it, got mustard on my shirt. See what you fucking assholes did. I need to take one of my insulin muffins. (sighs) (sighs) So fucking hot in here. (laughs) Lance. Lance, come blow in my face. It's hot in here. No. It's just Jabba the Hutt with a hot dog. (laughs) Lou Perlman is just Jabba the Hutt with a hot dog. Well, I need that fan art, and I need it now. Oh, the call is out. My God. Please help. <laughs> Artists. A hot dog and an ice cream cone just melting all over. And Lance mustard on- is Princess Leia. Oh, no. Oh. Lance, we have to save him. We have to save Lance, guys. Oh, but yeah, everyone was livid. None more than Brian Luttrell. Yeah. Backstreet Boys were the first to sue to get out of their contract, and they were smart about it. They put aside Lou's share of their income as the sixth member, so once the judge ruled in their favor and they were released from their contract, they paid Lou's share mm-hmm. and waved him goodbye forever. There you go. That's smart. Yeah. That is smart. 
Meanwhile, when InSync sat down with their lawyers, they realized there was a loophole in their contract. It said that if the group was not signed to an American record label within a certain amount of time, then the contract was void. Well, Transcon didn't do that. They signed the group to a German label, not an American one. Right. InSync went to their management team with this information to peacefully renegotiate their contract, but instead, Lou signed or Lou sued InSync for $150 million. That's a little greedy, Lou. A little bit. A little greedy there, Considering Lou. Considering how much he was skimming off the top to begin with, yeah. I'm just going to skim three-fourths of this off the top. <laughs> you guys get $10,000. Thanks. Lou's strategy in the courtroom was to argue that he, in fact, was in sync. He did all the work, and therefore he was entitled to all the money. Wait, did NSYNC have to dance in hot hangers? Oh, yes. They did exactly the same thing okay. that Backstreet Boys did. Wow. Lou Perlman screamed at them. <laughs> Double as fisted the hot. a hot dog in an ice cream cone and screamed at them. Yeah, that's right. Wait, because I made Lance Bass the Leia of yes. that situation. But who is the Leia of the Backstreet Boys situation? Nick Carter. Oh, yeah. yeah, he is. It's always the younger blonde one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those boyish good looks. Yeah. So, yeah, the judge basically looked at Lou and was like, You're in sync. You do all the singing and dancing. Oh. I don't think so. She ruled in Instinct's favor, and they were released from their contract. However, Lou still managed to retain part of their royalties. And it wasn't just Instinct and Backstreet Boys that were having problems. This entire time, behind everyone's backs, Lou was creating pop group after pop group. Mm-hmm. He continued to, de- to develop bands like LFO, Take 5, the all-girl group Innocence, and Aaron Carter. I totally forgot he ran LFO as well. Yes, he did. And we'll get to LFO in a little bit. LFO. LFO. It stands for Light Funky Ones. Oh, I I know. Light, spelled L-Y-T-E. I'm out. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimately, all of the bands that were under Lou's management, with the exception of one band called Us Five, would eventually sue him in federal court for misrepresentation and fraud. Jesus. And that's a lot of bands. That's a lot of bands. That's over 10 bands. Fuck. 1999 rolled around, and Lou still had a desperate need to be relevant in music business. His way of doing that was by creating a reality TV show called Making the Band that aired on ABC. Mm -hmm. It was your standard competition reality show that saw hundreds of men vying for the chance to be in a boy band overseen and managed by Lou himself. Mm. Despite the fact that the man was publicly sued by several of his own acts, people still saw him as a great businessman. I think this is because it's still the late 90s. The internet's a thing, but it's not a thing like it is now. Yeah. So we knew things, but I don't think we knew as much as we would have known if this happened now. It definitely was not as covered as it this would have like been a if 2020 it special. Which, yeah. how many people are watching 2020? I watched 2020. Look, we did, but we were just well informed. Yeah. But I would say the average person's not always watching 2020. Yeah. 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 But guys lined up in droves to audition to be a part of the show. And what resulted by the end of the first season was O Town. Yes. <laughs> they signed, whose first single was Liquid Dreams. Oh. Ugh. They signed a contract with Lou, but Lou was right back on his bullshit. Not only was Hey, I told you not to come back here with your bullshit. Here's Lou coming back with his bullshit. Ugh. Yeah. Not only was he putting them through the same bullshit boot camp he put everyone through, 
He gave them the exact contract he gave NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. Eventually, O-Town called it quits, saying their split was because no one liked boy bands anymore. Mm, which, arguably. Which was true. Yeah. Along with financial troubles that were caused by Lou's shitty contract. We're mid-2000s now, and this is when reports started circulating that Lou was sexually abusing boys under his management. You don't say. Yeah. Mm. Although Aaron Carter would definitely say otherwise. So he was interviewed in the Lance Bass, or Lance Bass, sorry. Um, <laughs> the uh, fish, not the guitar. Yeah, the fish, not the guitar. Um, in his documentary. And he, like, vehemently defended. Yeah, but, like, to a really weird point. Yeah, like, and the way he was, the way he was talking, the way he, like, was starting and stopping his sentences and what he was saying made me think that like everything that he was saying was kind of bullshit. Yeah. Like something really happened, but he just does not want to talk about it. He wants to imagine nothing ever happened. Yeah. So he is just doubling down on how great Lou Perlman was to him in a desperate effort to convince himself that everything was fine. Also meth. Also meth. So yeah. But at one point he was like, Lou Perlman treated everyone great. So just get off it, you guys. <laughs> guys. It's just like, what? Like, what somebody needs on? to take Aaron Carter to therapy? Yeah. Yeah. Like, to Therapy Island <laughs> for a year. Just therapy all the time. Yeah. Like, and also no more meth. Yeah. Stop it with that. I'm Come a, on. Like, Aaron with the meth. I'm just going to talk like Aaron Carter now. Stop it with the meth. But seriously, like. You guys. Also, poor Aaron Carter. Like, yeah. He definitely got fucked fucked up up as a kid. The whole entire Carter family is fucked up because I want to say their parents were kind of garbage. Yeah, like, I think the mom was very, like, a blind eye mom once her kids started to get. And, like, shit was happening to them and they just didn't give a shit. But also, a lot of people took advantage of that family and of Nick and Aaron and I think their sister, too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, like, there's there's so much shit with that family that needs to be worked out that's never going to be worked out. I just want to send them all to Therapy Island for a year. (laughs) Yeah. And also no meth. <laughs> All, and, like cupcakes. No meth on group therapy island. No, no. No meth on group therapy island. No hot dogs or dipped ice cream cones either. <laughs> no job of the hut. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Transcon employee Mike Cronin gave the heads up to O Town that all this shit was happening. Mike's, oh, wow. Mike's brother Rich Cronin was part of the group LFO. Famous for one of the dumbest songs in hit music history, Summer Girls. Look, New Kids on the Block did have a lot of hits, and maybe one of them is very allergic to MSG. Yeah, Chinese food just makes him sick. But he still likes Girls in the Summer? I don't even remember this, that song. Um, yeah, Chinese food can't get him down. He still likes Summer Girls. <laughs> he still about them, Summer Girls. In 2009, well after LFO went kaput, Rich Cronin went on the Howard Stern show and told a disturbing story of Lou's attempt at seducing him. Mm-hmm. Lou called Rich into his office one day where Lou was agitated and pacing. Lou explained that he found this amazing opportunity for LFO over in Europe, but in order to secure the deal, 
Rich would have to let the head of this record dealer whatever fondle him. Okay. He was told that that's just how they do business over there. But Lou didn't want Rich to bungle the deal, so Lou told him he could practice on him. Oh, are you not merciful? (laughs) You human garbage ball. Yeah. Lou told him not to worry because he minored in psychology in college so he could help Rich through it mentally. Yeah. Is he not merciful, Maggie? Such a such a great guy. Such a great guy. Just looking out for his fam. A large number of people that worked with Lou say they never saw or experienced any lewd behavior from Lou. Lewd behavior behavior from Lou. (laughs) Sorry, I had to lighten this for a hot second because it got really deep. I didn't like it. That includes people like Nick Carter and Lance Bass and like all these Do you mean Aaron pe- Carter or Nick Carter uh, stands by it as well? Nick Carter stands by it as well, but not as adamantly as His Aaron brother. Carter does. Okay. However, Ashley Parker Angel from O-Town recalled a time when Lou brought him to his office to discuss how Ashley, being the main, o- main face of O-Town, really needed to keep himself in shape. Lou tells Ashley that he minored in physical therapy in college... And started massaging yeah. Ashley in order to pump his muscles. Ugh. Yeah, and I watched another special about Lou Pearlman and a, some guy that was actually friends with Lou when he was in like his teenage years and twenties. Mm-hmm. Like retold a story that was almost exactly like this. Here's the thing that Lou did to him when they were very young. Lou. Is a narcissist. Yes. A sociopath. Mm-hmm. They are smart. Yes. They are very fucking intelligent. Yeah. You cannot be a sociopath and be stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, he. Because you have to know how to not get caught. He knew how to not get caught and he knew not to hit the top shelf boys. Yeah. That's why Lance and Nick don't have those stories. Exactly. He hit they the were, lower shelf. They he were hit. the fucking money makers. Yeah. No, he hit them bottom shelf boys. Yep. He hit O-Town and LFO? LFO, O-Town. O-Town. And like, like, he hit the guys who, like, we remember because those, I, I remember that shit from our time, mm-hmm. but, it, like, anyone who is younger than us, at least by five years, doesn't know who those bands are. Right. Because their, their shelf time was very brief very very it was a song at best yeah and lou understood don't fuck with the prime beef you're gonna have to fuck with like that ground chuck yeah he's gonna have to fuck with the ground chuck yep (laughs) fuck with the ground chuck are we poets now we are that was great (laughs) but seriously so that is why i i believe that is why guys like that don't have those stories yeah. I bet he fucked with Aaron Carter, though. Oh, probably. But Aaron, again, you're right. The Carter family, like, he was already feel bad for them damaged. because yeah. I think they have a lot of shit and oh, I yeah. feel bad for them. Yeah. Um, Not in even in like, a shitty way. Like, I hope, I genuinely want there to be a therapy island yeah. for them. But people like Lou also prey on people who are already broken. Mm-hmm. And not only was Aaron Carter very young, but he came from a rough 
family, so. Yeah. Like, if you look at somebody like Lance, he's not going to fuck with Lance. Did you see Lance's mom? That is a fucking mama yeah, bear. and you're not, he's not going to fuck with Justin because he knows Justin is a moneymaker. He's got a million dollar and face. And he's also from Disney. And he also has a mom who is like a fucking wolf when it comes to shit like that. Yeah. Who's so not going to take bullshit from Lou. Yeah. So, yeah. He's, like, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Wow, this is a gross conversation. But I think it's accurate. And I think psychologically to look at it that way, it it, it makes so much sense. And yes. I think it really puts this puzzle together. And also, if, if somebody like Justin Timberlake were to come out and be like, Lou Pearlman sexually assaulted me. Everyone's going to believe everyone him. Everyone will believe him. Yeah. If some rando from a O-town. barely known boy band that's not even, that hasn't even had a hit or anything. Yeah. Comes out and says that everyone's gonna be like, "Who? Whatever." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's nobody's what I'm saying. gonna listen. Nobody's gonna listen to that. So you hit them bottom shelf boys, and hope they just don't say anything. Yeah, and they're not going to because Lou's making them money. Yeah, but it, it didn't even stop here. Another singer, Sean Vanderwilt, I think is how you say his name, okay. accused Lou of very similar behavior. And Nikki Deloach from Innocence claimed Lou filmed her and her groupmates naked while using his tanning beds in his house. Yep. And when Innocence tried to get out of their contract, Lou forced them to sign a non-disclosure degree- agreement. Nikki Deloach refused because she wanted the ability to tell everyone what he had done. Right. She's such bullshit. Sneaky fucking shady bullshit. While all of this was going on, Lou was still trying to expand TransCon by buying up all these other companies. He bought TCBY franchises, Chippendales, and some really terrible looking pizza chain in Florida. (laughs) First of all, Florida pizza. And it was called NYPD Pizza. New York Pizza Department Pizza. Like, guys, Florida, what are you doing? Like, New York City wouldn't even do that, guys. Like, Times no. Square wouldn't even do and that. I could not believe that there was a pizza chain called this. So I Googled it. And on their website, they their emblem, it looks like a police badge and, like, says New York Pizza, pizza department. department. And then they have a disclaimer that says, New York Pizza Department is in no way affiliated with the NYPD Police Department yeah. of New York City. I bet they're not. <laughs> Fucking Florida. Yeah. Florida. What are you doing? Stop it. He also purchased an internet-based talent company called Options Talent Group, and it just so happened that they were already being investigated for fraud at the time of purchase. Hooey! Which was a terrible idea, so good for you. Mistake number one. I'm well, sorry. Mistake number, number 30. One, mistake number 1,000. <laughs> While he was gobbling up all these companies, Transcontinental was going downhill. Investors weren't getting their checks, they couldn't get money out of their accounts, and when they tried to call Transcon, they would either get the runaround or no one would answer the phone at all. Mm -hmm. Turns out, there were no more employees left, and the feds, through their investigation of Options Talent Group, caught on that Transcontinental was also committing fraud. Oh, you know, you don't say. Wow. (laughs) Oh, holy crap. In mid-January 2007, four days after the U.S. attorney opened an investigation into TransCon, Lou fled the country. He went to Germany with the excuse of making a public appearance at a Sean Vanderwilt performance where he was presenting Sean with a gold record, even though the song, The Gold Record Was For, was never released. Oh, <laughs> I know. 
what? Yeah, it was all bullshit. He went on stage with like this framed gold record and everything and presented it to him. The song was never released. Was Sean just sitting there like, what, what Twilight Zone episode did I just fucking walk yeah. into? And he really got fucked because Lou signed him on like right at the end of when oh. Transcon was like getting investigated and everything. So he really had no money. Mm-hmm. And I guess he like put Sean Vanderwill in a house in Orlando. Oh no. Like to live in while he trained and got vocal lessons and all that stuff and did the boot camp thing. Mm-hmm. And he lived there for two years and Lou never paid any anything. He never paid a rent or mortgage or whatever. But also like no one's kicked him out in two years. Well, if it was foreclosing, then yeah, nobody it took him probably two years to start foreclosing. Wow. Because it, it takes a long time for foreclosures to start. I did not know that. Yeah. No, so they right. probably made a few, he probably made a few payments and then just stopped. And then it takes like six months maybe oh. for anybody to realize like, oh, they hey. warn you a whole lot until they finally are like, okay, we're going to foreclose. And then it takes like a year to foreclose. Wow. To and actually this do whole it. time, Sean has no idea. He has no clue. Oh. None at all. And eventually, after two years, they're like, yeah, you need to leave. He's like, I don't have any money. I don't I have anywhere to go. go. I have nothing. Oh. Yeah. I felt bad for him. That, ugh. In February 2007, the feds announced that Transcon was a fraud and a warrant for Lou's arrest was issued. Good. He continued to elude the police for several months, but was eventually discovered in Bali, Indonesia. <laughs> Turns out, a German tourist who was keeping up with the story spotted Lou in the same resort he was staying at. He reported this to a journalist who turned the information over to the FBI, and on June 14th, 2007, Lou was arrested in Bali. Well, I guess technically he was arrested in Guam, but yeah, he was arrested. Sucker. Go fuck yourself. He was charged. His charges seem like not even like enough. It's they so probably weird. aren't. They never yeah. are. He was charged with three counts of bank fraud, one count of mail fraud, and one count of wire fraud. Mm-hmm. Like, for all the bullshit that we just talked about in the last hour, hour and a half, like, this is not enough. <laughs> no, this isn't even close. Yeah. This is, doesn't even touch the iceberg. Nothing. He was convicted on all counts and sentenced to 25 years in prison. Still good. The judge, yeah, at his age, like, good. pretty much... Amounted to a life sentence. Bitch dying in jail. Yeah. Good. The judge allowed him to reduce his sentence by one month for each million dollars he repaid to investors. But since his company was effectively bankrupt, that probably wasn't going to happen. I feel like this is like when you're playing a board game and then you're at the end and you're like, I see a way that I could probably maybe kind of try to win this, but I have none of the resources to be able to win this. Yeah. How am I going to do this? Yeah. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. But... Lou definitely misinterpreted this offer from the judge and oh, thought no. that meant he was allowed to make money by continuing to conduct business outside no. while he was still in jail. No, you can't do that ever. Yeah. You fucking That's fuck not wild. allowed. Yeah. He became friends with this woman named Emily Dorsett, who attempted to learn everything from the Lou Perlman playbook. Gross. The idea being she would help him start another Making the Band type show while he was in jail. He was ultimately denied phone and internet access, and the project never got off the ground. His projected release date was March 24th, 2029, but he only served about eight years. 
That's because on August 19th, 2016, at 62 years old, Lou died from cardiac arrest after a surgery to replace a heart valve resulted in an infection. And I kind of feel like he died pulling his last con because he used taxpayer money to have heart surgery and then died anyway. Fuck this guy. Like, there is absolutely zero redemption. No redeeming qualities in this motherfucker whatsoever. No. And, like, at every turn and at every moment, if he could fuck somebody over, he did. Yeah. Yeah, he, he did. He manipulated young men and their families. And he did. He manipulated older people mm-hmm. who just wanted to retire. Yeah. He had this whole fucking Ponzi-type scheme running in the background to just bilk people out of more money. So the fact that he died in jail, good. Good. Like, that he is didn't, exactly what he fucking deserved. He didn't serve enough years to satisfy me, and he didn't get <laughs> fucked enough in jail to satisfy me either. I mean, I don't know how much do we know how much he got fucked in jail? I don't know, but from the sounds of it, he had a pretty like low key decent time in like relatively oh, was he in rich people jail. Yeah, he was. He was in fraud jail. He was in like. Martha Stewart jail. Oh, go fuck yourself. He wasn't in even in real jail. They definitely had a PlayStation 3 when oh, he died. Oh, yeah. Two? I don't know when the PlayStation 3 came out. I don't either. Wait, he died in 2016? They had a PlayStation 3. <laughs> no, go fuck. Like, that's so not... Yeah. I it's, mean, I wish in a he... country that has such a fucked system, justice yeah. system, as far as incarceration goes, that someone like Lou Pearlman... Only served eight fucking years. Probably was not having that bad of a time. It's just that he wasn't as bougie. Like, I feel like people think, oh, well, because this isn't their lavish lifestyle, this still sucks for them. And maybe it does. But you're not, like, in fucking Alcatraz, not Alcatraz, uh, Rikers. Yeah. Having to, like, be basically tortured or thrown into solitude. Yeah. Which this dude should have. Based on just how he treated human beings alone. Even... Even it, which I don't believe, even if the stories about sexual assault aren't true. Yeah. But I think they are. All of the shit that he pulled and the way that he, tr- like, somebody who has a minor drug offense is getting a worse fucking sentence than this dude. The guy who got thrown into Rikers for how long? Like, two years because he, like, stole a backpack or something and then he ended up killing himself? Yeah. Like, this that. isn't. This he isn't, had a harsher sentence. I'm sorry. This than this Lou does Perlman not balance did. the fucking scale. Because Lou Perlman was a white collar white guy. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, but I wish there there was some way for him to have instead been con- just convicted of making people's lives a living hell and yeah. just abusing his power. I wish that there was a way he could have been convicted for something like that. And the real fucking shitty part about all of this is that Rich Cronin. The guy from LFO that he tried to um, assault. Assault. Yeah, yeah. Um, he died in two thousand nine of can of leukemia. What? So he didn't oh, was even he like twenty something. Oh no, 30 he was older something? than that. I think he was closer to thirty something. But yeah, that's still insane. I'm I'm glad he got to see Lou get be thrown put in, jail. in jail, but he didn't get to see him die in jail, and that sucks. Right. But you know what? Maybe he got to die thinking, well, Lou's still rotting in jail and will be for a long yeah. time. And maybe he's getting raped. <laughs> Look, 
I know I shouldn't say that. I know that's fucked up. But there's also that part of you that thinks... But sometimes... Sometimes it's okay. Sometimes I feel like you fuck... Like, karma, man. Yeah. What goes around comes around. Yeah. Treat people with respect. Be kind. Don't, like, manipulate people for your own fucking gain. Yeah. And, and I don't care what happens to sociopaths. And everything he did, every single action he took in his life, he did it just because he wanted people to like him. But he never learned from his mistakes. And never learned from anything. Yo, I've done a lot of shit in my life because I want people to like me. But you're not a sociopath about it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which, that made me feel like a sociopath that I just agreed with you. So that means yeah. I'm definitely not. And I he, don't think, oh god, now am I? He never stopped lying about shit. He never stopped just being an all-around fucking asshole yeah. about any of this shit, so... I mean, I guess the thing that we can get out of this that's positive is at least pretty much everybody got out of their shit fairly unscathed, I, except some for the Carter had to, family. Some people had to go through some shit. Well, AJ went through some fucking shit, too. Oh, that's right. He came out the other side a much better person, but yeah, like a lot of these guys had drug problems. Yep. A lot alcohol of them problems. had alcohol problems. A lot of them just A lot like, of them have been in rehab. And struggled just to make ends meet. So, yeah, I and a lot of them had a lot of their credibility tarnished because, you know, they are just viewed as these mindless boy band guys. Right. And mindless pop stars. And when you grow up with them, because we grew up with them, I feel like at least for us, we can look at them now as just people and say, like, yeah, I get it. When I was a teenager, I was like, meh, Backstreet Boys and sync suck. But like as an adult, I look at them like. They're human beings, and they all seem pretty cool. Except Justin Timberlake. I'm not here for him. I am not here. Yeah. Like, Justin Timberlake needs to fucking get off his little pedestal that he made yeah, for himself. Yeah, get off his high horse. Just do and... a fucking tour with NSYNC, and I'll respect you again. Because, honestly, doing the Trolls movies, yeah. that's not above NSYNC reunions. It 100% is very much not N-O-T <laughs> at all. Yeah. yeah. At least Lou Pearlman's dead. <laughs> Fight me. Fight me. Silver lining. Silver Lou Pearlman's dead. Lou Pearlman was in jail and died. Yes. And I hope that as we... And that's the whole point of things like the Me Too movement. It is not just for women. It's for everybody. Like, don't fucking let people manipulate you and try and, to call it out like we and and believe people yeah and if when they fucking come out and say this motherfucker did this to me yeah whether listen to them. it's a man or a woman or whatever if they say they were sexually assaulted try and believe them yes because most of the time they're not lying about it yeah like so quit what the saying fuck they're fucking they, lying about what it. the fuck do these guys have to gain from that exactly what the fuck do the guys from leaving neverland have to gain from telling people oh no michael jackson 100 raped me all the time yeah like i'm sorry it, it, just fucking have some compassion and talk to people and figure shit out because if you want this behavior to stop it's gonna stop when you start believing victims yeah exactly so don't let another fucking Lou Pearlman happen. You know what? Boy bands and girl bands want to happen. That's fucking great. Yep. I'm probably not going to listen to it, but good for fucking you. Just let's hope Lou Pearlman Jr. didn't fucking create you. 
I don't think Lou Perlman has ever had uh, heterosexual sex in his life. So no. there are no Lou Perlman juniors. And thank goodness for that. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you all for listening. <laughs> we hope you guys enjoyed this journey into the bleak and anger. Because fuck, man. It just, it kills me that this man's entire life was just one big scam. And people just let him get away with it. Yeah. People just said, oh, well, like, he's just a harmless guy. He's, Lou's just doing Lou. No, Lou is doing awful things, guys. No, actually, Lou was just doing Lou, and that was the problem. And, and Lou was an awful thing. So, yeah. There we go. Lou doing Lou isn't a good thing, guys. Yeah. yeah. So, check in on your neighborhood sociopaths. See how they're doing. <laughs> Do they start a boy band right now? Because who knows what people are doing right man. now. Don't let them. Corona times are perfect times to start a boy band. Yeah. If you think you may be in in the clutches of somebody who's either brainwashing you or in a cult, reach out to yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, 1995 was 25 years ago, so uh, we're due for another round of boy bands. We really are. We're yeah. actually, I would say we're overdue. Well overdue. Oh, but maybe K-pop is filling that hole. Hey, let's go help K-pop. Stop yeah. putting K-pop destroy lives can we just sjw the shit out of k-pop please yeah can we please like i know we think we can't but we can guys we can they're not good to our they're not good to the artists no seriously they took the lou perlman playbook and just put some magic spells on it yeah. and lifted it up to a thousand yeah it's and are just, scary are literally driving people to commit suicide yeah. no it's it's real. it's a problem it's real and it is a real problem <laughs> so again guys compassion empathy it's an important thing to have right now but it's an important thing to have always. all the time always have it yes thank you again thanks for listening if you guys are picking up what we're putting down you can go head over to our website www.rockcandypodcast.com and over there you can get more episodes more of episodes them. of spaghetti <laughs> And and you can comment on episodes and tell us in places that we may have missed, like things that I discovered, like that we are not zero days without heroin. Yeah. Apparently, Michael Stipe did have a heroin problem in college, but was very secretive about it. Thank you, Cliff, for telling me that. Also, thank you, MT, for telling me that um, cans of piss apparently came from the <laughs> fact that at a show, military at a military show, um, they threw cans of piss at REM. It just kills me that people like took the time to find a can, empty it, pee in well, it. Well, I imagine they drank a can of beer, like, peed in yeah, it. Yeah, drank, like, downed a can of beer, peed in it, and then threw it. Like, Not the band. Like, who does? Or, Guys, again, empathy. If you don't like the band, leave. Yeah, just leave. What the fuck is going on here? God, don't be, you know what? In quarantine 2020, if I have learned anything, like, just empathy. Yeah. Just be kind. That's all we need to do. That's all we want. If you want to be kind, you can also give us a five-star review and tell us how <laughs> wonderful we are on iTunes. Also that. That'd be great. Or leave us comments. Send us messages. Email yeah, us. Emails. Anything. You know, we respond. We love hearing from you guys. So thank you so much. We appreciate you. And also, if you guys love listening to music podcasts and you need some voices to fill the void, go head over to Pantheon Podcasts. Because that is the network we are on, mm -hmm. and it is full of amazing, wonderful shows about music, about musicians, about muses, about bad albums, good albums, good songs, bad songs, anything you could look for. Yeah. 
literally from Kiss to Weezer. Honestly. We have it. Yeah, we caught it. Literally. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally, we have it. Um, yeah, and if you are feeling so generous during these uh, spicy times. Spicy times. Then you can head on over to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash rockcandypodcast. You can give us some schmeckles. Help us out a little bit. And in return, we will give you free stuff, like mm-hmm. a bonus episode every month. This month, we actually have three yeah, right? bonus episodes. And you can also get some sweet swag. Shrek, 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 shrek. And Stickers, stuff. buttons, coasters, anything you could want. Ring that's tones. actually it. <laughs> but also, that's it. <laughs> that's it, though. <laughs> but they're really cool. So, yeah, yeah we'll give cool you a shit. lot of them. Or just like do adamandeve.com and get yourself a vibrator and then we get some little chunk of change from that. So That would be even better. You know what? Yeah, do that. If you want to get off and we can help you do that. Rock candy helping you get off. Get yourself that third fleshlight. You earned it. (laughs) You earned it. Proud of you. (laughs) Well, next week we've got another fun and interesting episode for sure. Oh, yes. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be filled with lovely accents. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, whoop. Woof. <laughs> ripperoni. Get ready for Pre-emptive that. Preemptive ripperoni. Preemptive ripperoni. <laughs> so tune in next week. But until then, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And you know what? In a few weeks, it's gonna be May. I love it because he hates that meme. He hates it. <laughs>